Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. We got to work hard. You have to consistently perform and you have to um, consistently think about the entirety of the work. You can't just look heads down all the time and type as an individual contributor. And trust me, you better never do that as a leader. Uh, and no one wants to work for a leader who isn't pulling an enormous amount of their weight. If you're not doing that, people don't want to follow you. It's time for Women Who Code Conversations, a segment to hear from top technology professionals sitting down with a Women Who Code member to discuss real-world experiences in the industry, what they've learned over the course of their career, and what they think is coming next for tech. All right. Um, Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, based on where you are joining us uh, for this conversation today. Um, I am really stoked and excited to talk to Donna Hart today for our uh, guest for today's conversation at Women Who Code. Uh, Before I start speaking with or start with Donna's introduction, let me uh, give uh, my quick introduction. So uh, my name is Dipali Chauhan. I am uh, a director for uh, Vancouver chapter of Women Who Code. I work for a company called Pink Identity, uh, which works in identity access management, um, securing digital identities. So that's about me. Now, um, I would, it's my honor to welcome Donna Hart on our podcast today for Women Who Code. Welcome, Donna. Thanks so much for uh, speaking with us and uh, be part of Women Who Code community. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. Let me start with Donna's introduction. Um, Donna has 25 years of technology experience. Her career began as an associate with First Union and worked in several areas, including technology program office, desktop services, several roles within network services, technology production operations, and information security. She joined Ally as a chief information security officer on Feb 1st, 2021 from Wells Fargo Corporation. In her spare time, she enjoys hiking, attending her son's sporting events, and loves to volunteer for animal charities. Wow, that's quite an introduction, Donna. Um, 25 years of technology experience. Wow, I can't wait to, you know, like chat with you and ask you about your experience. Before we begin with the conversation, can you just tell us more about your career journey? So um, as you mentioned, I did come out of college and I was fortunate enough to join one of the first associates programs for technology at um, First Union Corporation. Um, So I had a great introduction to the corporation and technology itself. That was a a lot of fun. And I got to meet a lot of people who were straight out of college. So I have built some lifetime um, friendships from that. I went on to join the uh, project management organization. They needed folks, and and that was interesting, just maybe not where my interests and challenges lied. So I went on and got a position in desktop services. I spent several years moving around desktop services, doing lots of different fun roles. Um, And then I moved over to network services, where I went from software distribution in the early days of software distribution for technology. I went over to network services and ran their IP DNS and proxy group. Um, so that was a bit of a challenge for me since I, I don't even think I knew what IP stood for back then. Um, I definitely needed to read the DNS bind book and I fell asleep multiple times, I'll acknowledge. 
Um, so then I went over to do network performance engineering, where we looked at capacity of the network and how we were growing our network to be smart because it was extremely expensive. It still is, but back then it was really expensive. Um, I briefly took over network engineering for a while. And then as we went into the merger with Wells Fargo, um, I was an individual contributor doing a project integration role for the networks themselves. Um, from there, I took a production operations management role, which is sort of like a divisional lead for um, CIO kind of role. Um, but it, I was there for a bit of time. The DDoS challenges of the, I think it was 2012 to 2014, had hit our company and they were impacting our overall production. So I was assigned as a special project to go do that. Um, obviously, I made brought some attention to myself with the security division, and they asked me to come over and take over network security, where we did firewall and intrusion detection systems. At that point, um, I just started loving everything about security. Talk about a challenge. It was it grew so fast. We had so much work to do, and it was a lot of fun. Um, so I, I spent several years in that space doing a lot of different things. Um, and then I had the opportunity to join Ally as the Chief Information Security Officer, and that has been where I am today. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, you have quite a experience, and um, all these different roles. Like I was just so amazed listening to all that. So I was. I'm. I'm just curious for our audience, or even for for me. Um, what made you try all these different career opportunities? Like, I know you have worked as a desktop engineer and uh, network services, and now in cybersecurity, doing a, you're doing a leadership role. So yeah, what exactly, like, what was the thought process behind trying all these different career opportunities? You know, it's funny, each one kind of was a different reason or theme overall. I think the overall theme is, I love a good challenge. You know, I, once I got really good at something and what I call competent, when I became really competent at something, I was like, I'm ready for a new challenge. I like the idea of learning. I like the new idea of taking on things. There for a while, I had a, um, a kind of a reputation as being a fix it, meaning I was able to fix groups. And that was something that drove me to take on new groups is the opportunity to really change and do something different with those groups. You know, I think as women, we also we we face interesting challenges and obstacles. And one of the things that you know, we I probably faced some some of those obstacles. Maybe someone who didn't believe in me as a, in the leadership or things like that. Instead of you know going against the system, I said, I'm ready for a new challenge. Let's go try something different. So it, it was a lot of different things. Some of it was the leadership I had. Some of it was I needed a new challenge, and some of it was. It was a cool opportunity where somebody came to me and said, this is this is something I think you would be great at. Right. OK, so you were not scared of trying new opportunities. You were like, OK, go for it. And I want challenges. It sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one, there were a couple big ones. I took, walked into the job and I thought, mm, I don't I don't think I can do this. Yeah. One of them was my FISA role that I'm currently in. But um, probably the first one was the DNS IP job, right? I had a desktop experience job and I needed to go over and do network services. And one of the most critical functions in network services to make the network move. And I didn't really know a ton about the space. And, but, and so I had a very short time to learn. And so kind of fake it till you make it. 
So I focused on what skill set I did bring to the table, which was I'm really good at relationship management, very good at leadership, very good at command. Um, So I took those and said, okay, how can I address this group? And then slowly I learned the underlying technology underneath it um, to be proficient. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say my team would then would not say I was probably acceleration and that knowledge, but proficient enough to have a good dialogue and grow the group. Right. And you were also not scared to to take up a new role. Um, You, right. So that's very important. Yeah, I think sometimes we, as women, we have multiple things within our lives that that make it harder for us to really focus and be an A student in one area, right? We could have a family, we could have aging parents, we could have siblings or friends or some situation that's absorbing that personal life aspect. And so with our jobs, we become very, we focus on competence. And so competence is great because you can do your job with less challenge and brain power and hours in the job. The problem is if we spend too much time there because we love being really good at it, we don't grow and build that skill set that you need to grow into leadership. You've got to have more than one technology under your belt. You've got to have more than one skill set under your belt. And so it's imperative to move from group to group and really learn and constantly challenge yourself to learn something new and do something different. Sometimes you're going to succeed and sometimes you don't. And and I think that's something that I've been really lucky at. And I'll be honest with you, I've not been an upward climb. It's in times been a downward. It's like I say to people, my career has been not been a ladder. It's been a river. Sometimes it's up. Sometimes it's curvy. A lot of times it was sideways. Um, where And sometimes I didn't succeed. I mean, I didn't. I, I think that I probably look back and say I probably failed there. Um, but I learned every single time I didn't succeed. And that's important because I wanted to make sure I don't either don't do it again or experience what made me ad- not identify that situation that I didn't succeed at. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously better to uh, stuck at a job which you do not probably like or don't like anymore than, you know, like doing it for next 20, 30 years instead of, yeah. you know, try something and just it's OK to fail sometimes. It is okay to fail. It is actually good to fail. I mean, I used to be a big athlete when I was younger, too old now, but um, when I was younger, I was a big athlete. And I would always say, when especially skiing, if you're not failing, you're not trying to get better. You're not going faster. You're not doing moguls because you're being safe and you're being really good at that one thing. And so sometimes it's important to fall down. Right. Very good lesson. Thanks so much sharing for that, Donna. It's very, uh, very useful. Um, so um, since we talked about um, um, independent contributor roles and the leadership roles, so I was wondering, uh, do you want to share some thoughts on what uh, specific skill sets if one requires from moving from independent contributor to a leadership role? Can those skills be learned versus some are just natural if you are, let's say if you are a leader and you go to a leadership role, you wouldn't know. So individual contributor and leadership roles really have a lot in common. The things they have in common are you got to work hard. You got to make your boss and your peers, um, not maybe not always happy, but satisfied with your work. 
Um, you have to consistently perform and you have to um, consistently think about the entirety of the work. You can't just look heads down all the time and type as an individual contributor. And trust me, you better never do that as a leader. I think as a leader, what you add on is additional layer of people you have to satisfy. So now as a leader, you have to satisfy the people who work for you. You have to satisfy the, your boss, the people you work for. And then you have to satisfy the people who work to the side of you because it's a partnership, especially in technology. Nothing's done in a vacuum in technology. And so there's this relationship management role that is so critical to leadership that I am a big believer in. And, and we have to constantly feed that. And it, if, if that's something you struggle in, then that's something you've got to go address if you want to go into leadership because you have to have a relationship with all of those groups. Um, another thing with leadership is you really do have to work hard. Uh, and no one wants to work for a leader who isn't pulling an enormous amount of their weight, right? Again, back to the athlete. I was a competitive soccer player for a very long time. I went through this period of time where I was like, well, she's not running that hard. She's not working that hard. I don't so I'm not going to because she doesn't have to. Well, the difference is when she got the ball, she would almost always score. So <laughs> it didn't, I was comparing myself in the wrong way. I needed to work harder than everyone on the field, meaning I needed to run more. I needed to get the ball more. I needed to be more accurate with my passing. That goes with leadership too. If you're not doing that, people don't want to follow you. They're not going to you're not going to create command if you're not working harder than everyone else, to be to be honest. Now, we all are going to work for leaders and we're thinking they're not working harder than me. That's OK. Sometimes you're just not seeing where they're working and how they're working. And sometimes they're not working as hard as you. And maybe you need to look for a new opportunity or challenge. Yeah, I, I heard it somewhere that people don't quit companies. People quit their bosses. That is true. That's very that, true. Yeah. Sometimes you quit your company, but most often it's your it's it's the environment in which you most closely tie to. It might not always be your boss. It might be person sitting next to you who is just making things very challenging for your work environment. It might be, and I say that virtually as much as physically. Um, but there's a lot of reasons why. Maybe I call it when when obstacles are created in front of you whether they're your boss, whether they're your peer, whether they're your company that make it hard for you to get up and go to work every morning and make it hard for you to like the Sunday blues aren't the, just the blues. They're like full on. I'm going to stay in bed today. Then yeah. that's an opportunity to say, maybe I need a new challenge. Maybe I need to go, you know, push myself to do something, be something different. Right. Yeah. Very valid. Thank you so much, Donna, for sharing that. Um, so you used to play soccer. I was just curious, uh, which team do you, uh, are you a fan of a club or a team specifically? Well, right now I'm a big fan of Charlotte FC. Oh. So I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. We've just stood up Charlotte FC. Ally is a huge sponsor of it. And so I'm a big fan of um, Charlotte FC. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Okay, back to professional life. Um, uh, I want to divert our conversation to your work at Ally, since you mentioned Ally. Um, so you are a Chief Information Security Officer, which is quite an impressive role and a leadership role that a lot of women uh, look up to. Um, so for our audience, like, do you want to share uh, your roles and responsibilities? What do you do as a Chief Information Security Officer at Ally? 
So the first thing I did when I came in as the chief information security officer is I really set level set myself of what's the framework I want to manage cybersecurity with, right? You, you want to have a strong vulnerability management program. You want to have a strong um, asset program. You insider threat program, cyber defense and response. You, you need an automation function. Your engineering, are your perimeter controls, your firewalls, your intrusion detection systems, your email protections, are they at top level protections? And are they consistently deployed within your organization? So I created about a list of about 17, what I call functions. And those functions then I went and I assessed those with my team themselves. And I said, okay, where are we with this? Tell me about that. I called that the assessment phase. Also went out with the consulting company and I had the same assessment done there. And then, you know, I had out, other outside part, parties tell me where they felt like our organization stood. And we kind of created almost like a baseline. So then I went and said, okay, now we have to deliver improvements to those overall functions across the organization. And some of that was reorganizing my staff because remember technology is all about people, process technologies. So I had to think about the people. Do I have the right people? Do I have the right people in the right place? And then I said, okay, let's go look at our technology. What do we have to say within the technology itself? Are we best in class for all of the functions that we need to do? And where we're not, how do we invest in that technology? And how do I create a risk-based approach to use the money that I'm given to do that? What makes the most sense? And as with most programs, you want to start from the outside, which is the perimeter. Those firewalls, those intrusion detection systems, the routers, the switches, and you want to come inside all the way down to data. So you're going to think about how I'm going to protect that data, how I'm going to protect PCs and laptops, how I'm going to protect all of that. And you apply those 17 functions. Now, and I picked 17. That is not the, that's not the, you know, end all be all. That was just for me what I wanted to focus on. Um, and then I said, okay, let's let's start moving that. Over the time, I then saw that there's process improvement situations that I need to apply as we're thinking about that. So then I said, okay, let's talk about process. Where do we have things that are making us less strong because our processes aren't aren't built with the most efficient ways? So again, it's just really back to that very simple concept of people process technology. And how do we make sure that we're considering that all three? as we roll out our overall big plan. So I've done the delivery section and now I'm kind of in, and then I start doing the assessment over again. Okay, assess where I'm at, deliver that next level. Assess where I'm at, deliver that next level. In the meantime, what I have to focus on then is efficiency. How do we get more efficient so we can do more? More automation, better processes, less overhead. I'm really looking at how we can use technology different. And so that's really where I, I think about us as a, from a CISO organization is just that constant assess, grow, mature, constantly looking at the threat landscape and asking myself, am I ready for that next threat? Um, and are we thinking about that from a, a bigger, broader perspective? Right. Okay. Speaking of threats, um, so there are, I know, a lot of technologies and the, the terms that we keep hearing about, like we have the security space has been actually evolved quite a lot, like from the 
on-premise to cloud and still evolving. We're like now moving, all these companies are moving towards cloud from on-premise. And then there is Web3 and then something which is in discussion, which is Metaverse. So what do you think how security uh, is evolving with all these, these new technologies and concepts? So it goes back to the framework I originally talked about, those 17 things, right? Cloud is cloud, Web3, Metaverse. These are all just what I refer to as expansion, expansions of your attack, of your surface area, okay? So as you expand those service areas, you must apply the same framework, the fr same thinking to those. And when you do that, you might use different technologies because it's cloud. You might think about it differently because it's Web3. You might say there's a, there's a different opportunity. There's a reputational threat versus may, maybe a technology threat. And so you have to think about what that looks like as you go into those what I call surface area increases. And then we have to be smart about it. We have to assess, back to assess, deliver, efficient. Um, if you're doing the efficiency part of your job, as those surface areas increase, you're constantly looking back and saying, okay, so I moved to the cloud. Do I need as much on-prem? Maybe I need to reduce there. Maybe we need to look down at the older surface areas. That goes back to, you'll hear a lot of technologists talk about tech debt. So imperative to get tech debt out of your corporation so that as you expand your surface area, you're reducing the amount that you have to cover from a from a from a landscape perspective. Assess, deliver, and efficiency. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Three important things. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing that. Since we talked about your role at um, Li, uh, I'm also curious to know if you can share some information or some more um, about how does Li support you in your role, including. Um, policy creating and managing teams? You know, Ally has been phenomenal. <laughs> I have been so excited to be here. Um, it's great to be part of an up-and-coming company like Ally. Um, we are 100% digital bank, uh, as well as an auto lender. We're the largest auto lender in the United States. Um, we're growing into the invest space. We're growing into the um, credit card space. It's so exciting. Just so exciting to be part of a growing company like this. But also the leadership is phenomenal here. They have been so supportive of cyber and protecting the customer. Our, our motto is do it right. It's really simple, but it, it really does mean a lot. It's, it's do it right. Protect, you know, we, they invest heavily in cyber technology because we're a digital bank. And they really want to make sure that we're thinking about our customers and protecting that all the way down to that data layer we talked before. Um, I think that has really been impressive is that we have support all the way up to our executive board on this effort and, and our, our constant, okay, are we checking the doors? Are we locking the doors? Are we shutting the windows, right? It's an analogy, a simple house analogy, but it's a real life analogy because security is constant. You have to be good 100% of the time and the, the threat actors really don't have to be good once. And so you're constantly on awareness and I think they're aware of that and they're very supportive to make sure that we're getting what we need to make this real. Right, yeah, that's very important. Cool, that's good to know, Ally is supportive of that, nice. Yeah. 
we talked a lot about your professional life. Now I wanted to also uh, ask you about something like, is there, what, what are you passionate about outside work? Like, yeah, what is that excites you when you're not working? My kids. I mean, I've just, I've been a working mom for so long, <laughs> 20 years, 20 years I've been a working mom. So, um, you know, when I'm not working, I'm really focused on family. Uh, I, I spend a lot of time at my kids' soccer games. My, they're, my one son's in college, so we go see him. Um, my parents are still very much in my life, as well as my husband's parents, Um you know, our kids, we really spend a lot of time. If it's not, if I'm not working, I'm like full in family. I do. We are big travelers. We love to travel. So um, that is one thing we kind of have. A, I have a lot of passion about is just getting out into the world and seeing new things. And sometimes we can get a little too hyper-focused about our personal like, life. And so travel kind of opens your eyes up to what other things look like and what the rest of the world kind of feels like. Right. Awesome. Yeah. In fact, me too. I can't wait to travel again after COVID. It just feels like. I know. I went to Italy this summer. It was so beautiful. I had tried to go. We were supposed to go in April of 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, So we were able to go this past summer and it was just, it was great to get out. Right. Yeah. Seriously. It feels like you were missing life. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to um, conclude our uh, interview, uh, I wanted to ask you um, this question about the pro tip. So is uh, what pro tip would you want to give to our audience or women in tech in general? Pro tip. Um, so mine is all relationship, right? So I have a lot of things for women. One of them is you can't control other people. You can only control your reaction to them. And that is so imperative to kind of constantly have in your head as you're thinking about your career, too, Um, because sometimes you're going to be in a situation where too many obstacles are in front of you or around you to create, to do what you need to do. And that's okay to leave. It's it's okay, But sometimes it's great just to run around those obstacles. Um, So much of my career probably has been a balance between running around obstacles. Maybe it's people. Maybe it's, you know, a corporate rule just run around them. And sometimes it is really about maybe it's time for a new challenge. And so making sure that we understand that everyone has obstacles. There's no one free of them. Um, Maybe it's a bias. Maybe it's just how people behave. Um, But that's my pro tip. You cannot control other people. You can only control your reaction to them. Right. Okay. Own your career. Own your career. It is not anyone else's fault. Right. Own your career. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much, Donna, for sharing that. And thank you so much for uh, ha- speaking with us and being here with Women Who Code. It was so lovely talking to you. I have uh, so many takeaways. Um, thanks for the time. Thank you so thank much. You. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to 
youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.